0: You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're never going to be thrilled with the quarterbacks left in the second and third round. There's a reason they're not top draft picks. But the Chicago Bears should be able to find somebody they like with an interesting group in that next tier of quarterbacks in the 2021 draft. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at... Cox Sports One. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group. On the show today, part two of our conversation with Mark Schofield. On yesterday's podcast, we talked about Trey Lance and the different dynamics that go into whether he's worth trading up for in the first round, but today we're going to look more at the second round and third round and the later quarterback options that don't fit in that top group that are going to be tough in general for the Bears to have a shot at. So we're going to start to differentiate a little bit between Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask and Jamie Newman and some of those next options that don't have the same shine as the top picks, but still have something there that give you more faith in them than a potential late-round guy that's just a swing for anything. But I want to start by expanding just a little bit on a topic we brought up briefly with Mark on yesterday's podcast when it comes to trading in the draft, and particularly trading up versus trading down. And I think it's become more and more evident that... Trading down, generally speaking, is the smarter move more often in the draft, and that trading up tends to be a poor use of resources, with the exception of the quarterback position. And I think that's the important delineation here, that if you can land the quarterback prospect that will change your franchise or will at least just be that you know potential 10-year starting quarterback. They don't even have to be a Hall of Famer, but just hit. If you can hit at that quarterback spot, then generally speaking, it is almost always worth everything you give up to move up to make that selection. And so like even with Mitch Trubisky and the number two pick versus trading up from the number three pick, if he hits on that quarterback and that's Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes instead of Mitch Trubisky, no one is saying, wow, what a dumb trade by Ryan Pace. Why'd he trade up to move one spot to take that quarterback? No one cares if he picks the right quarterback there. And so I think quarterback is that one exception where that generally tends to be the better idea. But unfortunately with Ryan Pace, we've seen him be very inclined to be aggressive for specific players, and usually position players. Outside of the Trubisky trade, it's the only quarterback he's ever drafted, so (laughs) there are no other quarterback examples to point to. But we've seen him trade up for other players. Moved up a couple of spots for Leonard Floyd and gave up a mid-round pick. Move up for Anthony Miller in the second round to be able to have two second-round picks that year. Traded up for David Montgomery in 2019 to get up there in the third round to get him. And even last year, trading up back into the fifth round, actually first in the fifth round before his two other fifth round picks, gave up this year's fourth round pick to take Travis Gibson. And regardless of whether the players they traded up for were successful, it's generally a bad use of assets. Because we've seen over time in the NFL draft, and there have actually been like college studies Done on this. I think there was one from like Cambridge about NFL teams and their use of NFL draft capital and resources, and how essentially, when you look over the course of the NFL draft, draft picks tend to be 50 50 crapshoots. Even in the first round, it's very random as to how successful they end up being on the long term, in terms of like you look at every draft pick and every team. On the wider grand scale, no one is very good at consistently drafting really good players. And so, really, it becomes about how many shots you get to draft those players. If you can understand that only a certain percentage of them are going to be good anyway, regardless of how many picks you make, only a certain percentage over time are going to be successful draft picks. You then want to make as many of those picks as possible, because say 50%, well, then if you have six draft picks, you're going to get three players out of it. And if you have eight draft picks, you're going to get four players out of it. And so, of course, you would rather have four good players than three good players. And so the more draft picks you give up to trade up for one player, the fewer other opportunities you're going to have to add talent. And just because you trade up for a player doesn't increase the probability that he's going to be the positive side of that approximately 50-50 coin flip of whether or not that player is going to be good. No, No general manager or evaluator has proven to be so good that when he trades up for a player, he can be more sure than any other general manager that that player is going to be good. And so unless you're getting the immense return on value of a quarterback, you end up giving up other potential opportunities to flip that coin. And the more coin flips you have, the more chances you have to say yes And so, when you don't have as many of those coin flips, you don't have as many opportunities to add potentially valuable players for your team. So, then we've seen the Bears give up a future second round pick to get Anthony Miller. That was a future asset that they gave up to not have another shot at a second round talent for this team. Or now they don't have a fourth round pick this year because he gave that up in the future to get Travis Gibson this past season. It always ends up losing you a little bit of assets and a little bit of a better opportunity to add more players on a team where you always want to add as many young quality players as you can. And the only way you can get good ones is to have to take that swing, to take that coin flip each time. And the fewer coin flips you have, the the fewer opportunities you have to build out your roster from the bottom up. Like every general manager says they want to do draft and develop young talent. You need as many swings as you can. Obviously, earlier swings are more valuable than later swings. Not all seventh-round picks are 50-50 shots. It tends to be a lot lower in the later rounds. But we've seen Ryan Pace give up second-round picks, third-round picks, fourth-round picks, picks where you can find starting-caliber players at a much higher pace. And again, if you're not giving up for quarterbacks, it doesn't tend to, on the larger scale, be the best use of your resources. Of course, when you're trying to trade down, you have to have a partner that's willing to trade up. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot sitting in the end of the first round here in this draft in terms of teams or even prospects that teams would want to trade up to the Bears' spot for. But I think it's a lesson to be said about anywhere in the draft, where you're trying to move up and what exactly you're trying to move up for. That's why we're turning our attention instead to some of the next quarterbacks down the list, assuming the Bears aren't going to make that move to move up they could still get a guy that you can put a little hope behind and have some youth and some future at the quarterback position beyond Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. We'll get to know Kyle Trask, Kellen and the rest of these draft quarterbacks next on Locked On Bears. The oddsmakers over at betonline.ag don't see Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields making much of a fall in this draft. Right now, the odds for at what number fields will be selected is over under four and a half, with the favorite being under four and a half, which means oddsmakers thinking he's going number four, whether it's the Falcons or someone else trading there. Well, the odds for Trey Lance are a little bit more deadlocked, even at minus 120 for both over and under 6.5, whether he could start to fall to Denver or Carolina or other teams trying to trade up, or whether he does end up going in that top six and make it, what, five quarterbacks in the first six picks. There's a lot of different ways you can predict the draft and lay some money down at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your free 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. While we're in NFL draft mode... Some of the other Locked On Chicago sports podcasts are right in the thick of their seasons. I know it's been a little bit of a disappointing start for the Cubs and White Sox, but Locked On Cubs and Locked On White Sox are here to help you see through the the bumpy beginning of the baseball season. Meanwhile, Locked On Blackhawks celebrating a big overtime win last night as well. The Locked On Podcast Network has your Locked On Chicago sports podcasts, When you're done getting your daily Bears fix, check out Locked on Cubs, Locked on White Sox, Locked on Blackhawks, or Locked on Bulls, wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to get to know some of the other guys at quarterback that aren't getting as much of the national discussion because they're not up at the top five of the draft with every team trying to trade up to take them. And no one is better at breaking down this quarterback draft class than our friend Mark Schofield. So we're going to continue our conversation from yesterday, turning our attention to the second and third rounds and some of the other names you need to know besides Trey Lance and Mac Jones. So, Mark, I'm going to assume in some order you've got the same top five quarterbacks as everybody else, you know, of Lawrence Wilson, Fields, Lance, and Jones. Who's in your next tier after that big five, especially when you start thinking about, you know, the, if the Patriots and the bears aren't going to be able to get one in the first round and you start to think, okay, maybe second round day two type options. How, where, where do you go
1: next? Yeah. And it's Lauren, you've known me for a long time. You, you, you knew me during the days of say Brett ripping, right? When I was out there telling everybody <laughs> that would listen, like, look, man, Daniel Jones is nice, but Brett ripping is QB four. You can get him late this draft, but he's fantastic. I'm usually the guy that's telling people, no, 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 day three quarterbacks, man, there's some talent here. And I'm, I'm standing for guys that will see their first NFL action in the hall of fame game, go seven of 19 for 72 yards and two picks and never be heard from again. Like, so you would think I'd be like, Oh man, he would go again. Right. But this isn't quite that class. I, I do think that after that top five, and again, put them in any, any order you want, there is a drop off. I mean, my next tier is these four it's, It's in this order, Mond, Mills, Trask, Newman. Like That's my next four. Um, I think there's something that each of them does well. I think there are legitimate concerns with all four of these guys. I don't view any of them as a surefire starter in the National Football League. I think they all need some level of development. Um, I I think teams like New England and Chicago that do miss out on those guys in the draft – I mean, the top tier, the top five in the draft would be wise to take a look at these guys, whether it's, you know, New England at 46, a lot of people said, maybe they go quarterback at 46, Davis Mills, Kellen a name you've heard, you know, Chicago at 52. If they go, whether it's corner or offensive line with that pick at 20, you know, maybe they go a Davis Mills at 52, but that's my next group. Um, with each of those guys, there are things I like with Mond, the athleticism and the experience with Mills, the competitive toughness, you watch that UCLA game, you'll see everything you want to see. If you like him, you'll see it. If you hate him, you'll see it. Like it, it's literally all over the map, but he fought back in that game. And I do like that with Trask, you know, he's, he handles pressure well. And I do think that will certainly serve him in the national football league. He's creative in terms of how he extends, separates from pressure, creates space in the pocket just enough to get throws off. I know there are questions about sort of his athleticism, and I do think he's more the Mac Jones and the Justin Fields, um, but how he handles pressure is impressive at times. And Jamie Newman, also the athleticism, but the arm talent too, can make some easy throws with easy velocity. So there's something to like about all four of these guys, but there are also flaws. You know, Mond's very high variance. Mills, there's minimal experiments, experience experience he almost wilts when the safeties do something different after the snap than what he's expecting. Trask, I think there are, again, questions about athleticism, questions about arm talent. And with Newman, that offense was both very quarterback unfriendly at Wake Forest and very quarterback friendly. You know, with a lot of designed reads, one read concepts, they even built in pump fakes for him to help manipulate defenders. How's he going to acclimate to an NFL offense? And so, you know, there are pluses and minuses for all four guys. I'm more of the mind that those guys make more sense sort of in the third round, whether it's New England at 96 or even Chicago at 84. Um, but we know how this works. We know how the game works. We've been around it a long time. We're hearing first round buzz on Mills right now. You're hearing early second round buzz on Mont, who some people have as, as QB4 because of the, the talent and the upside. So they might not be there in the third round. You might have to do it at 52 or 46 if you're Chicago or New England. But that, I think, is the next tier again i see more developmental prospects than starter caliber type players but that's just me i'm just one dude with a microphone and some fruit punch <laughs>
0: <laughs> so like how do you like what's your philosophy then with with these quarterbacks in terms of like what traits you prioritize or, or like what what prototype of quarterback you're looking for in the second round when you know you're not drafting the guy in the second or third round in the day 2 to be your week one starter i mean that just can't necessarily be your expectation so if you if you know the ideally you're going to have some patience with them and some sort of in theory a, a decent supporting cast and and developmental ground for a quarterback how how do you prioritize i guess yeah what do you prioritize in not not just specifically among those four prospects but in general in this sort
1: of area of the draft. Yeah, I mean I think you're looking for like one thing that they do well. You know, it doesn't even have to be something that they do great. Like something that they do well that you know could be some sort of crutch or a trump card for them that they can build and you know sort of use as the foundation for their development. But also you're looking for like areas where okay, maybe this quarterback doesn't read the field well maybe you know it's a processing thing speed thing or like with mills the safety rotations right like if he thinks it's middle of the field open and suddenly it's the middle of the field closed he's going to throw the curl route straight to the curl flat defender and not even you know see him there because he just can't read the rotations right mitch Trubisky. But you, yeah <laughs> but you might see like an example or two of him doing it right and so it's not that he can't, it's just that he hasn't done it well enough. And it's a, it's very much an incomplete. And so you're looking for evidence that, okay, maybe it's, it's, it doesn't satisfy the threshold for this person to come off the board in the first round or even the second, but there's enough there that there's, there's hope for that developmental path. And that's when I think the order you watch games is very important because you know, somebody like Mond that has so much experience, you want to see moments where you can tell he's put it together, even if it's not sustainable over a game, let alone a season. Like if you watch Mond versus Alabama, you know, you could tell that they were doing some things against Alabama that were giving Nick Saban fits. For example, I was doing a show recently with Brett Coleman and EJ Snyder. Um, I was on their show and Brett talked about, you know, a, a pick that Mon threw against Alabama. He hadn't seen them run that sort of, it was a drop eight coverage, but it was a, a an exotic looking drop eight. So he reached out to Kyle Kogan at coach Kogan on Twitter. He's a high school head coach and defensive coordinator in Lawrence, Kansas. Nobody knows nobody on football Twitter knows Sabanese more than Kyle Kogan, better than Kyle Kogan. And he asked him, he's like, well, what is this coverage? And he's like, That's this coverage. He knew what it was, and he's like, I don't think he's called it any time in the past, like, six years. So when you have to put Nick Saban into a moment where he's going deep into the playbook, that tells you that you're doing something as a quarterback. And so it's finding, like, one good trait that they're really good at and then finding reasons to believe in that sort of developmental path. And for Mills, it might be that comeback against UCLA. For for Mon, it might be the fact that – he took Saban deep into the playbook. You know, it's it's finding enough reason to believe that, okay, this might be more of a dart throw than a first-round pick, but there's evidence that this guy has put it together at times, that he's coachable, that he's gotten better over the course of a game or a season. That gives us some confidence that maybe this isn't a pure dart throw. There might be some lead at the end of this tunnel. All right, so I think we have a good baseline here for what this
0: next tier of quarterback prospects looks like, but there's more to it than that. We'll start to assess the idea of quarterback fit, as well as go through maybe a late round option or two if the Bears really want to wait next on Locked On Bears. The Bears might have to wait to get the important parts for their team in this draft, but you don't have to wait to get important parts for your vehicle. Just head on over to rockauto.com and check out their amazing catalog, everything you could possibly need for your car or truck. I love how easy it is to navigate. You just enter in your car's make and model, and then you can quickly sort between the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And those prices are particularly important because a lot of the chain stores We'll have different price tiers for the professional mechanics versus the do-it-yourselfers like us. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. So don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their "How did you hear about us?" box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection? Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com I'm excited for next week because we'll be bringing you a week-long ultimate mock draft 2021, April 19th through the 26th, we'll have expert NFL analysis from guys like Michael Irvin and Michael Lombardi, plus our local experts for every team will be making trades and making the picks for the next stars of our team. So subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're breaking down quarterback draft prospects for the Chicago Bears with our friend Mark Schofield from the Touchdown Wire, Pat's Pulpit, and really anywhere quarterbacks are being discussed. So Mark, I know it's different in every quarterback's kind of own unique situation, but like with, with Mond and his experience, you know, having started so many games, is it is it fair to say like, well, he's he's already had so many games of college experience that his habits and his quarterback traits are are more set than quarterbacks like, you know, even Traska has two years, but kind of took that big step and you see some projection there. And I know, I think Newman doesn't have a ton of snaps under his belt. And, And of course, Davis Mills too. I mean, some of those guys feel a little bit less, I guess, defined at this point, but do you find that all quarterbacks, once they get to the NFL, are much more malleable than we might think, regardless of their college experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is almost something they have to take on a case-by-case basis. I mean, you look at Sam Darnold, right? And one of the arguments that I remember making on behalf of Darnold when he was coming out was he didn't start playing quarterback until like sophomore year in high school. You know, he's a linebacker until that moment. And so when you remember the Darnold debates over his windmill-type throw-in-motion, one of my arguments was he's barely played the position enough for that to get seared into his muscle memory. Like, he can unlearn that. And so I think that, yeah, there are moments like particularly with mechanics or you know reading the field where if you haven't played a ton you might be able to learn that but there is a flip side to that where somebody that has played a lot like say Kellen Mond and still sometimes stares down routes and doesn't use his eyes well enough you'd like to think at this point with so many games under his belt in the SEC you know he'd be able to learn that stuff and be better at that stuff so I, I do think it sort of works both ways you know, I always think that we sometimes look at prospects, regardless of position, whether it's quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, edge, whatever, and we think, oh, some NFL coaching will help. And I do think in times, at times, and with some cases, it can, but there's also something that I like to call coaching up-itis, where we just think NFL coaching is going to fix everything. Sometimes you don't have time to fix everything. But yeah, you know, it's one thing, if it's like a wide receiver who's going to be like, you know, you might draft him in the third round, but he might be your wide receiver three or might be wide receiver four. He's going to be getting a lot of reps with the first team the guy. You draft a quarterback might not be getting those reps and opportunities. And how can you develop them if you're spending so much time getting Andy Dalton ready to start or getting Cam Newton ready to start? So, you know, it goes both ways. You know, I do think that there are some instances like perhaps Trask also came to the position late. So maybe there's some room for growth there. Mills, with a few numbers of starts that he made, maybe there's room for growth there. Um, whereas, you know, with Maude, maybe some things he could do better. But also he has a ton of experience. So there's probably things that he's seen that these other guys haven't. So he might be better suited, better ready for the NFL because of that. So it goes both ways. Um, You know, it's, it's such an inexact science, this whole quarterback evaluation. Yeah. We're all bad at it. Um, we're all trying to make it up as we go along, um, but the, you know, I do think that there are some cases where inexperience is a good thing, and in some cases where it's a bad thing. Yeah,
0: and it's just so hard because we we can never have all of the right information. And that's how, just that's, that's the, just it, it,
1: Lauren. And you know, I think my first professional, quote unquote, professional, if you could call Yoda one for Bucks, you know, a profession here. <laughs> my first professional draft cycle was the Winston Mariota one. And, I, you know, I have learned a couple of things along the way, not as much as I'd like, but, you know, take Josh Rosen, that 2018 class, right? Um, Rosen was my QB1, you know, and I obviously missed wildly on Josh Rosen. Now, I wasn't the only one that had him there, but, you know, I was one that did, and part of the reason I did because I thought, look, he's pro-ready, right? You know, he's been at a couple of different offenses. You can see it. He's a student of the game. Like Jim Moore is out there saying that he wants to know more about route concepts and designs and things like that. You know he's gonna be ready from the mental perspective. Come to find out, he doesn't know how to identify the mic. Like he doesn't understand pass protections at all. They had to teach that stuff to him. You know, I've heard anecdotally some stories out of his time in you know Miami where, you know, they had to get the other quarterbacks to coach him up on stuff because he couldn't, wasn't understanding. He didn't. He didn't have the base of knowledge that we thought he did for whatever reason, and we get. Such a small sliver of information. That's an example of it. We thought he was, you know, ready from a mental perspective, and he was nowhere close. NFL teams have every bit of information, whether it's talking to college coaches, high school coaches, kindergarten teachers, hiring private investigators to like follow them around when they fly out for an official visit. Like they have this wealth of information at their disposal when they still get it wrong. So it's an inexact science. Um, yeah. In most cases, it might just come down to, you know, does he end up liking the coaches that draft him or not?
0: Or in Chicago's case, how long are the coaches there that
1: yeah. <laughs> draft him? I mean, that's that's also <laughs> the other thing. Like Rosen, again, he showed flashes during his rookie season, but then new coaching regime comes in mm-hmm. and they want their guy. It, that That sometimes happens more often than not. Well,
0: and uh, like our friend Luke Easterling tweeted tonight, before you tell a mock draft writer how stupid his pick is for your team, go look up your team's draft history and tell me how long you have to scroll before you find proof of their ability to make a stupid pick. Right. So
1: it's it's all there. Bill Belichick is arguably the greatest head coach of all time, but Bill Belichick, the general manager, isn't sniffing Canton. Okay? I don't think that's happening. Um, You know, you look at their record at drafted wide receivers. You look at their record at drafted various positions. Like. You know, the one thing that has saved Belichick over the years is they've typically traded down. So they acquire more draft picks along the way. And so instead of having, you know, four, five, six picks, they've got eight, nine, 10, 12 picks. So if the hit rate's 40%, well, that's four, five, six picks that actually pan out to some degree rather than one or two. And that's what saved him. Um, but it's not like he's some great general manager. And, you know, we're all throwing darts. Bill Belichick down to little old me, <laughs> and there, there's
0: a, there's a separate discussion here about the value of volume versus efficiency when it comes to the draft right. and other things in the NFL. But oh, I've been taking up plenty of time. One more thing I want to get to quick before we go. Uh, if you're if once you get past that second tier, the Mond Mills Trask Newman tier, if you had to take a swing on some late round quarterback, I don't I don't particularly care what round, even if you think they'll go undrafted, but it's like. If, if I want my lottery ticket scratch off one in a million, I got to take one of these quarterbacks just to see, because I think this guy might just be the uh, the Brett Rippian of, of this draft class.
1: There's cool. nobody quite like Brett Rippet, baby. Come on.
0: <laughs> Who stands out this year, though?
1: You know, it, it really does thin out. I, yeah. mean,
0: I, I understand the context here of like, this is not yeah. like... Secret superstar, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady in the making, but just like you got to pick one gun to your head. Here's who I would
1: take a a flyer on. I mean, there, there are three sort of dark. Like there are a couple sort of dart throws, like like the seventh round. Like Ian Book, I think some, has some athleticism that I think is nice. Felipe Franks intrigues me just because you might be able to move him to tight end at some point. Like he's a super athletic kid, Um, obviously has a huge arm. So like maybe there's something there. Um, Zach Thomas, the App State kid, showed some accuracy, some pocket movement. And Brady White uh, from Memphis, who I think he's an older prospect, um, very much limited in terms of arm talent. Like, I think he's very much like West Coast or bust kind of offensive scheme, which would work in Chicago. Um, those are some guys that I think if you get into, say, sixth round, seventh round priority UDFA, and those names haven't been called. Like maybe your team might want to take a flyer on them because I think there's something there with each of those players that you could either mold. It could be valuable in terms of practice squad stuff. Like Ian Book, like if you're going up against a, a Mahomes or a, a Lamar Jackson, like he's athletic enough to give your defense a, a sufficient look. Like I know that sounds silly, but that stuff matters too. Um, that's sometimes how quarterbacks stick on rosters at the beginning. And so those are some names as we get you know deep into Saturday on the draft that you might want to keep in mind. No love for Shane Buchel and the the cannon. He's he's getting some buzz on like PFF. I know PFF had him graded pretty well. I think he was one of their like top twelve quarterbacks. I think they something. got a six I,
0: round grade on him. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe. I, I mean, again, the arm talent and stuff. I just kind of like these guys more.
0: Yeah, no, that that's perfectly fair. I just had to. He, he was the Texas's back quarterback yeah. way way
1: back in the day. He was going to get one the one before court. Sam Elger Yes, he, you know, was the next. Texas is back TV. <laughs> well, and who will be after that? Who knows. Well, Mark,
0: it's been a pleasure having you back on the podcast with us breaking down quarterbacks. Let everybody know one more time where they can find your work and if you got any good draft stuff in the works here or what stuff you've already put out that people can learn more about this class.
1: Well, Lauren, always a blast catching up with you, buddy. Um, we all love this time of year. Um you could follow me on Twitter on the bird app at Mark Schofield. Um Doug Ferrar and I over at USA today's Touchdown on Wire we're doing top 11 uh, by position. I've already released my top 11 at QB, wide receiver. Although I did 14 at wide receiver because I love this wide receiver class. I, I I pounded the table for a couple names at the end to add to the list. Um and I did I did rank Kyle Pitts as a receiver and a tight end because I did tight ends too. Uh, so quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Um, You're also getting, you've got edges for me already. And the next are linebackers and corners. And then we'll do things like top 50, best scheme fits, all that fun stuff. So you can check that stuff out at touchdownwire.usatoday.com. Excellent. Well, Mark, I, I am a regular reader and we'll, we'll be diving
0: in even more as more of those come out. So appreciate you making some time, sir.
1: Thank you so much, my friend. Have a fantastic week and a wonderful end to your draft season. Thanks again to Mark
0: Schofield for joining us on the podcast, both today and yesterday. If you haven't heard yesterday's conversation, it did nothing today, spoiled it. So go back and take a listen. We talked a lot about trading up for Trey Lance and quarterback draft philosophy and the type of prospect traits you feel like you can live with and the prospect traits that are most fixable and some of the more rare, valuable traits that you look for, not just in the top of the draft, but in any prospect throughout. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed both days, and I hope you subscribe to the Locked On Bears podcast to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. On tomorrow's podcast, we'll be joined by Trevor Sykema from Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Network, He's going to help us break down some of the Bears' other options in the first round as well as the Florida guys. Kyle Trask, I want to go a little bit more in depth on what he was able to do in that offense and his wide receiver, Kadarius Tony, one of the prospects in the range of the Bears at 20 and, you know, a name on that list that's going to keep coming up throughout draft season. So, we're going to have some more fun with him, going to learn a lot more about this draft class and make sure you know all the different prospects and ready for all the different scenarios come draft day it's gonna be a lot of fun i hope you'll keep following along with us throughout this off season. and i hope in exchange the podcast helps you bear down